and welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald, that would be you. Hello, and of course, producer Annabelle Lee is to my right. Hello. Hi. Coming up on today's show, 1989 Taylor's version is here, but a Harry Styles cameo is not. The world mourns the death of Friends star Matthew Perry. There are whispers in Demois that another celebrity divorce is brewing. Kylie Jenner has launched Kai and it's, well, kind of genius. And then, how the hell did Martin Scorsese become TikTok's new it boy? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) But first, Sarah McDonald, how was your week? How was my week? Pretty good. I think I might have stumbled on the silent killer of engaged couples. Oh, <laughs> I know I know what leads to the most breakups pre-wedding more than anything. Now, I'm getting married in a few months. Everything's been going swimmingly. We've been meeting in the last week or so to decide what songs will be played oh, at the ceremony. Yes. I never considered this to be a problem that would enter my world. Who tried to warn you about you it? You did. <laughs> you were like, last year, almost a year ago to the day, you will have fights about this. And I thought, mm, honey, don't put your relationship baggage on me. Sounds like a you and me problem. <laughs> it's trouble in paradise. And I think it's because, so... I've always just assumed, I've known what songs I want playing at our wedding ceremony. Mm -hmm. I never assumed that anyone would have passionate opinions about that and tell me that they're not (laughs) being played. And when that happens, you get so defensive. Yeah. Look, I sat opposite you this time last year and I did try to tell you, I tried to warn you, Zara, no matter how much you think you will be on the same page when it comes to music, you won't be. Mitch and I had fights, like big fights over we're, music. We got nasty I'm with each other. <laughs> I <We> got <laughs> contempt. I, I'm getting to the point where I'm like, that's the lamest song I've ever heard. <laughs> Mitch, so mean. Mitch literally had this song he wanted me to walk down the aisle to. And I remember looking at him as if I hated him going, ill. that is so cringe. <laughs> well, it is. And then we were talking to Ange, our managing director, who has been married. And she was like, oh, yeah. This is a thing. This, <laughs> this happens, but no one tells you this is where the tension lies. No, because I think we read so much into our own musical tastes and we also picked, like, the songs we like, we like a lot. And I think a lot of people picture that walking down the aisle moment in particular. So when you're on completely different pages as to what that vibe should be, it is, like, full-on rattling. I remember looking at Mitch being like, who the fuck am I marrying? <laughs> I'm like, I think Ollie thinks this is a funeral. <laughs> this song is so sad. Could you do a mashup? Um, <laughs> I want something a bit boppier. Also, because I will be crying and very emotional. I yes. don't need the song. Yeah. I think the other thing I, I struggle with sometimes with ceremonies or the thought of my own ceremony is something that's very tense and very serious. I yes. feel like I, I won't enjoy that. You want to break the ice. I want to break the ice and I want it to be kind of unserious. Meanwhile, Ollie is trying to play funeral songs and I'm like, <laughs> people, he's like, this one will get tears. And I'm like, why is this our end game? And you don't want to cry of all your makeup before you no. even get to the aisle. You are also very particular about lyrics. I remember playing you songs for my wedding and you were like, mm, have you read the lyrics to this one? <laughs> I am. I 
I am a bit of a nutcase about the songs that people use at weddings. And I think I have set myself up for failure where I will listen intently or often later Google the lyrics of the songs that they have chosen to make sure that there's not a line in there to be like, and even though we're not together anymore. <laughs> because you don't realise how many lines there are in songs. Yeah. And I didn't realise I freaked everybody else about this. After we had this conversation with Anne yesterday, I looked over to her computer and she was Googling all the lyrics to all her wedding songs to check they were actually love songs. Yeah, look, it's going to be an impossible task. I'm going to end up walking down the aisle to a song that neither of us like. Would you like Annabelle and I to come in and sing? We could do a little boppy number. I would love that. I've also put myself forward to choreograph your wedding day. I'm here for whatever your needs are. I'll let you know how we go. shameless jingle. And then, guys, this is assuming we make it down the aisle. We might want this in mind. But that's been a big focus of my week. So he's hoping we find some resolution. I do have a recommendation for you if you are so interested. I read a book over the weekend that I really loved and I think you guys will love as well. Particularly you, Michelle. I think you'll really like oh, this suck one. suck on that, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know if you'll be that flattered when you find out why I think you'll love it. It's a book called Green Dot by Madeline Gray. It's a new Aussie debut. It's one of those books that I think a lot of people are starting to talk about as maybe the next big Aussie book. Mm. Like it it could become, I sound like one of those people that's like, it could become an it book. (laughs) No, but that's why I picked it up because people are like, this could be quite big. Now, when I started reading it, I was like, oh, I wonder if this is going to just be like, like a lot of the other Aussie lit fix that I've read in mm-hmm. the last year or two. It's not. It's about a 24-year-old woman and a 40-year-old guy. He is married. I'm in. They, <laughs> they are, that's why I knew she cared. It's an affair story. It's an affair story. Fuck yeah, it is. <laughs> and it's so interesting because it's exactly, exactly to the details of how I imagine an affair story to play out between a 40-year-old and a 24-year-old. And in that sense, you might think, oh, so the story is very obvious and very cliched. But I just think it feels true. It feels very Mm. accurate. And I really, I flew through it. So if you're looking for a book to fly through and you want something that's Aussie and you want something that's juicy, I really recommend it. Perhaps one for the Shameless Book Club in December. We just announced our November pick, but December is open. Yeah, it's a really good summer pick because it's also based in Sydney so it's got ah, that vibe. Thank you. How are you? What are you recommending? I'm good. I have two things to recommend. The first one's pretty obvious but I have listened to the entire Britney Spears memoir on audiobook. I listened on Audible in the last week. The way it's read by Michelle Williams is actually just a masterpiece. I think she does such an incredible job of kind of giving Britney's voice and giving her words so much life in a way that feels really authentic I will say it's quite dark. It's quite a hard listen, but I actually think it is worthwhile to anyone, whether you think you've heard it all, whether you're just interested in the life of a young pop star, whether you maybe have missed a lot of this and you want like a really thorough synopsis. I just, this Britney Spears memoir really has shaken me a little bit and I felt like I knew almost everything there was to know because I've really become obsessed with this story for a while. So definitely listen to that on audiobook if you are so inclined. My second recommendation, have we heard of Last Stop Larimer? No. no. It is the number one trending show on Netflix oh. at the moment. <laughs> cool. So you guys are living under a rock. Yeah, we are. <laughs> so the American Netflix team flew into regional Australia, into this tiny town near Darwin, population 11 people. What? One person in town was murdered or oh, suspected no. of being murdered. 
And it talks to the people of the town trying to figure out who might be behind it. This is a case that has been unsolved for, I think, four or five years now. It is a very, very interesting place in the world. Larimar is as desolate a town I could imagine. And I just found this fascinating, like fascinating. It's three episodes. It is so binge worthy. Mitch and I sat in front of the couch and just absorbed the whole thing as we tend to do like little couch potatoes. So last stop, Larimar, it's true crime, but it's not very grisly. It's also got a hint of Tiger King to it. I oh, I, I just think you've let yourself down at final hurdle. <laughs> no, though, instead of tigers, crocodiles. Oh. oh. But the thing is, I watched and loved Tiger King when it came out. And now I look back and I think it's because it was locked down and everyone else was watching it. Mm, I don't I, know if I would have ever watched that if not for that time. That's fair enough, but I don't think you're much of a true crime girl. I'm not. I think if you are a true crime person or if you just find Australian outback culture really interesting, I think this is one for you. Do you find out who did it? I'm not going to tell you that. Okay. <laughs> Good question, though, Annabelle. Shall we get into the quick and dirty? We shall. Michelle. Michelle Outback Andrews. <laughs> it rolls off the tongue. It does. Michelle Outback Andrews. Yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> and Anna Botley. <laughs> what have you got for me? Our first story. Labels want to prevent Taylor's version like re-recordings from ever happening again. That is from Billboard. Well, 1989, Taylor's version is out in the world. It is her fourth re-recording in her sort of non-chronological release schedule for these re-recordings. Do we want to start with what the critics say or what the fans say? Oh, uh, are we the fans? We are the fans. Yeah, I want to say I have thoughts. All right, okay. off we go. <laughs> uh, all right. So 1989 is one of my favourite Taylor albums ever. I up, think it has to be my favourite. Up there with Reputation and Folklore. Yeah. They're my holy trinity. I, <laughs> I mean, a lot of people will have... Well, a lot of people find it interesting that Reputation is up there for you. Okay, no, well, no, they'd find it correct. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cult classic. <laughs> if anything, if anything... A bit pick me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I would maintain that anyone who really loves Taylor loves reputation for what it is and feels a need to defend it. Anyway, on to 1989. Stakes are high for me. I feel a lot of things about this album. It's where I really, truly became a diehard Swifty. Listening was an experience. The first time listening through, I felt a little tepid. I wasn't quite sure. I've got to say, some of these songs had a synthetic sound to them, which felt off-putting. Yeah, it felt like it had had like a blur sort of effect to them. Does that make any sense at all? It sounded like 1989 had been put through an AI generator and some of the songs spat out were just a bit robotic or something. I never knew how much I craved or just a pure, raw electric guitar. (laughs) That's what I wanted. Well, I think the one I felt this most with, the song I felt this most with was Style. I was listening to Style. 100%. And I was actually, there was something within me that was a little mad. I was like, what happened here? I saw this funny TikTok last night and this is going to be an impossible task trying to explain this TikTok, but I'll do my best because I've already started. And this woman was like, Taylor Swift recording Style. And it's literally just her like speaking into a microphone. And I think the caption was something like, go girl, give us nothing, (laughs) which I feel like is how I felt with Style. Style's a party song. Yeah. And I just felt like that oomph and that kick wasn't it was, there. It was lifeless and I think as well it felt particularly lacklustre for me because I was truly expecting a Harry Styles cameo. I know we're going to get to that in just a second. However, I do think 
New Romantics and Wonderland, two of my favourite Taylor Swift songs ever, are better on the re-recorded version than the OG. See, I think Wonderland is better and that is one of my favourite songs. I think New Romantics is like one of, if not my favourite Taylor mm. Swift song. God, and it's good. it's not punching for me as oh. much on 1989. I will, of course, do the loyal do fan thing yes. and I will continue to listen <laughs> to the old one. I mean, to the new one. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Oh, Freudian. Because <laughs> I was going to ask you guys, I'm like, obviously we love Taylor. What the ethical dilemma, if you really, really like the OG version of Style, are we allowed to pick maybe one or two this, songs that we listen to the Scooter Braun version? This will be the most interesting anonymous USA Friday poll. Do you have a Taylor Swift song where you very cheekily and disloyally go back to the old one? I don't yet. I can't rule out it being an option in my future, but for now it still doesn't feel right. I think style might be my first one, guys. Annabelle? Sometimes when I'm playing like a playlist that Spotify's created for me and an old one comes on, I'll let it play out. (laughs) What a funny question, though. I can't wait to see what people say. Let's talk about the fact that Harry Styles wasn't on style because I think that was surprising to me. It was surprising to you. I was like, well, it's a given. Obviously, he's going to be on there at such a huge opportunity for them both. Obviously, she's going to announce the albums live with a photo of her and Harry in the studio. This was like, if you would ask me probability, I would have said 90% sure he was going to be on. Yeah. I mean, it made me think a lot once he wasn't on it about why he Mm. wasn't on it. And I think it took me back quite a lot to their relationship. As we know, their relationship was a PR relationship. It was probably one of her most and his most obvious PR relationships. Well, that's our theory. That's the, well, as it, we know. Yeah. As we know, to be fat. <laughs> I can say that with 100% certainty. No, but I think what it made me question was how confident I felt in that, right? Mm. Because I was like, is there a world in which they're actually not on as amazing terms as perhaps we thought? Because if it was a PR relationship, well, then why wouldn't they do this? Why wouldn't they, they do the biggest PR opportunity in the world? Yeah. Totally. And if it was a PR relationship, then no hearts were broken mm. and there's no tension. You're just sort of like all in on it together and you just do this as well. And so I I started questioning myself and so did you. Yeah, well, look, we did a three-part series on Taylor Swift for Scandal back in 2021. Not going to lie, we should do an updated version on that at some point in the near future. So much has happened. But in one of those episodes, we did kind of do a bit of a deep dive on the timeline with Harry and Taylor. And the timeline indicated to us that this was more for show. Like they were photographed really clearly. They weren't actually connected for all that long it lived far more in media and publicity folklore than it ever did in like the actual timeline of Taylor and Harry's lives. Yeah, once we kind of nutted down the timeline, we were like, this relationship doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Where I've kind of settled on this now that he's not on style is I feel like it could be one of two things. I feel like it could be actually Harry maybe not wanting to associate himself with like a big PR relationship of his past. Like I feel like he's sort of matured out of needing any sort of PR relationship. He's also not hugely 
part of the public conversation right now with Taylor Russell. He was hugely part of the public conversation last year with Olivia Wilde. I wouldn't be surprised if he wants to kind of phase himself out of just being top of mind right now. The other conspiracy theory I had is I wondered if, you know, there is slight tension there or maybe like a slight annoyance from Harry if she lent too much into this being a PR relationship. They were happy to do it for their profiles and then she came out and released style and that's like an annoying thing. True. Like that was like beyond the parameters of what they agreed, which is not outside the realm of possibility. And then as if in 2023, is he coming back to help promote that song? Um, Yeah, I get that. He did release two of his own songs that were strongly believed to be about Taylor. (laughs) I think it probably lies in the middle. Do I think these two push their relationship or their like fling out there for publicity? Yes. Do I think it was only publicity? No, this has made me pause and go, you know what? I think these two did have a fling. It was a bit of column A, bit of column B. They decided, hey, while we're sleeping together, let's put it out there. It serves us both. I think we can talk in very black or white binary terms about PR relationship or not PR relationship. I think they were sleeping together. I think they then stopped sleeping together. It's a little awkward and a little tense. And I that's don't why think he's it's not awkward. on it anymore. I don't think it's awkward. If it wasn't awkward, he'd be on this no, album because it serves them I, both. No, 100% no. It wouldn't be. I believe, I agree with you to some extent that I think it was 90% PR, 10% like probably slept together two or three times. But I do not believe after this many years, it is still that awkward with someone you've slept with two or three times. I don't believe that. Mm. Especially for people that have had so many relationships and who are so much older now. True. Maybe he doesn't want to be on a pop album as well. This is pop and he's been moving away from I just think he doesn't want anything to do with this for his own publicity reasons. Yeah, right. And other people have said, oh, maybe Taylor doesn't want to share the stage. I'm like, Taylor Swift can share the stage with Harry Styles. Like, she's not threatened by (laughs) Harry Styles. I think it's him coming to this saying no. Yeah, no. I I, Look, we don't agree on everything, but I think we agree on the fact that her team would have reached out and he would have turned it down. Completely. Let's quickly touch on what the critics said about this album. I mean, I was kind of surprised. People were quite fawning about this album. And it's not like they've been fawning about every one of her re-recordings. I didn't see like incredible reviews around for Speak Now when it was released. Mm. The Guardian gave it five stars with their reviewer saying Swift's revamp of her 2014 smash is her most faithful re-recording yet. A time capsule enhanced by pertinent cutting room floor tracks that show she never goes out of style. I found that quite impressive that people Mm. were still like, this is amazing. I mean, also, quick side note as well, I do think maybe these from the vault tracks are the best ones. Yeah. Which helps. Say Don't Go is... A bop. Yeah. I don't really like slot. Yeah, there's a a few really good ones. And then as per the headline that you read out before, Mish, there are now reports in the wake of this 1989 re-recording being out in the world that major record labels are rewriting their contracts to ensure something like this never happens again with Mm. another artist. I mean, it's interesting. I don't know if something like this ever could happen again with another artist. Well, who else has the fan power and adoration of Taylor Swift to to make this a story? Yeah. But regardless, according to Billboard, Record labels like Universal, Sony and Warner have recently overhauled their contracts for new signees where they're demanding unprecedented amounts of time between being able to record sometimes 10, 15 or even 30 years, Mm. which is just insane. But I, I guess from a business perspective, I can understand why, if you're going to own someone's masters, giving them the ability to re-record them in the way that Taylor has done, it's not something you want to do. 
very soon. No, and I would love to know how these Taylor's version re-recordings have devalued those OG masters yeah. that sold for, I think it was $300 million. I think it was 400 Yeah. Yeah, so I, I surely at least accorded now. Accorded. <laughs> word. Sure. I mean, <laughs> so I don't know the math. So <laughs> Our second story. Matthew Perry's cause of death remains under investigation. That is from the New York Times. As I'm sure all of our listeners know by now, friend star Matthew Perry was found dead at his home in a spa jacuzzi on Saturday afternoon in LA. He was 54 years old. I felt really sad about this. I was um, walking to the supermarket with my partner and he goes, Matthew Perry's died. And I thought, oh gosh, that's quite sad. I was driving home from a weekend away with girlfriends and it was one of those things where my girlfriends called me, they were in another car. They called me to say, oh my God, Matthew Perry's died. And then I had text messages from my sisters and then Mitch was trying to call me. I think it's one of those deaths, particularly for 90s kids who grew up and 80s kids who grew up watching Friends and fell in love with Friends. This is one of those deaths that I think I'll actually remember where I was when I heard about it. Yeah. And I think if you had have told me that before he died, I would have found that surprising. But mm. then I think that's probably me underestimating how much Friends has meant to me as a TV show. Like, I don't think that there's a comfort TV show that I can turn to more than that show. I don't know how you guys feel about Friends, mm. but like that show was my entire childhood. Oh, I loved it. And I think when you have a few siblings that you're watching it with, like we would just bunker in and watch it nonstop just like on repeat we would go to the video store at a time when you had to get the box sets yeah. and smash the seasons out and i i thought he was the funniest yeah, yeah he was Easily. he was one of the he had to have been the top one or two characters for the vast majority of people. I would love to have seen, like, I'm sure there have been polls done where people say their favourite characters. And I think for a lot of people, it was Jennifer Aniston playing Rachel Green. And I think it was Matthew Perry playing Chandler Bing. I, or Chandler Bong. <laughs> on Chenandler. <laughs> now, investigations, as we said, are ongoing. The coroner's findings will clarify exactly what happened, but those will be weeks, if not months away, which is just standard procedure. It's pretty powerful that he got to tell his life story in the form of his memoir. It was called Friends, Lovers and the Big Terrible Thing. We spoke about it on Shameless. It came out just last year. In that book, Matthew detailed his struggles with addiction and the depths of his mental health battle, which saw him spend a great number of years in rehab programs and undergoing various treatments. I think that's what I found also one of the more powerful parts of the conversation in the last few days is the fact that his legacy has basically been written by himself. And Mm. I don't know how many people have that opportunity, like that he's got this book now that's like, yes, you know me from friends, but here are all the other parts of my life and these complexities of me that you should know as well. I mean, in this book, he wrote at length about an incident from 2019 where he spent time on life support and a medically induced coma. And what I've found eerie and fascinating and sad is that there's this clip doing the rounds at the moment from him speaking to People magazine last year in promo for his book where he spoke about his death. Yeah, we're going to play you guys this snippet now. I say in the book that um, if I did die, it would shock people, but it wouldn't surprise anybody. And that's what I'm doing with writing this book. That's why I wanted to do it. I wanted to talk about the highs and the lows because people are suffering out there and maybe if they hear a story 
from somebody they've seen on TV that's worse than theirs or just the same as theirs, they'll be filled with hope, which is the key thing. I think our conversations around addiction are really moving to a better place thanks to people like Matthew Perry. Well, even in the last couple of days, I've sort of tried to listen to as many interviews with him as I can, particularly recent interviews. And we're so lucky that there's a wealth of recent stuff because he was promoting his book. And I even felt I was listening to one of these interviews last night. He did an interview on stage with Tom Power. And I was like, I'm nearly 30 and I would like to think that I'm pretty well educated on addiction and yet I'm still learning so much from this one 40-minute conversation. Mm. And there's like this really powerful line in in this interview where he said to Tom Power, it took me a long time to realise it's just simply not fair that I got this disease and it is not fair that it never goes away and it wasn't fair that out of my castmates it was me that had this and it was me that has had to deal with it and it is me that is still dealing with it. And I was like, gosh, that really kind of like that phrasing and I don't know the power of that statement. It's like it's not fair that you got that disease. And I think when it comes to addiction, so often we've spoken about it in terms of control. Like why can't people just like get on top of this? Like why can't you just have some some sense of control? But of course that completely denies what the disease is. And I think his story is such an incredibly important one if people around you still feel that. Yeah, because for so long I think we inferred so much shame on people, I mean culturally, who struggled with addiction. But if you really, truly think about it, if you're someone who doesn't have addictive traits, you are so lucky. Yes. Like that is such a lucky position to be in that you don't have this, that you have an absence of it. And I think he's just done incredible work to kind of push the needle forward. The network behind Friends NBC released the following statement. Matthew Perry brought so much joy to hundreds of millions of people around the world with his pitch-perfect comedic timing and wry wit. His legacy will live on through countless generations. Yeah, his co-stars Jennifer Aniston, Courtney Cox, Lisa Kudrow, Matt LeBlanc and David Schwimmer released a joint statement. They said, we are also utterly devastated by the loss of Matthew. We were more than just castmates. We are a family. There is so much to say but right now we're going to take a moment to grieve and process this unfathomable loss. In time, we will say more as and when we are able. For now, our thoughts and love are with Maddie's family, his friends and everyone who loved him around the world. In that interview that I just referenced with Tom Power, he spoke a lot about what he wanted his legacy to be. And he said, I've said this for a long time. When I die, I don't want friends to be the first thing that's mentioned. I want helping people to be the first thing that's mentioned and I'm going to live the rest of my life proving that. I think if one thing is true over the last sort of four or five days since he died is that those two things have been mentioned in conjunction with each other that his story around addiction and his desire to help other people with it and friends have been mentioned together. And I think at the very least, you can look at it and think, well, he kind of got his wish. Our third story. (laughs) Pussy Island is reportedly the beginning to an engagement. That is from Vulture. (laughs) So, what? what (laughs) Annabelle, what's this story about? Oh, I should remember what you said in the intro, but I have no idea. I didn't reference this in the intro. Michelle didn't even think this was worthy of being in the episode, but I do. Now. (laughs) So we don't know what Pussy Island is. Justice for Pussy Island. No, I don't. Okay, so reports have emerged this week that Zoe Kravitz 
and Channing Tatum are engaged after two years of dating. They first met on the set of her directorial debut, Pussy Island. Right. Is it out yet? Uh, well, this was in 2021 that I'm they gonna met. I'm going to Google it while you talk. So, yeah, it is out. And um, I don't know what it's about, to be honest. <laughs> it's not out. What? It's an upcoming thriller film that isn't out yet. It's not out. God, these things take a long time. <laughs> They're already engaged in the film. It's not even out yet. I mean, over the weekend, they were perhaps going to a Halloween party. She had a ring on her finger, so everyone has said, oh, yep, they're definitely engaged. People Magazine have confirmed with two to three anonymous sources. Do we have any other thoughts or comments? Because Michelle really doesn't want to add anything here. My only thought isn't even about the engagement. I just would never call a film I'm working on Pussy Island because the word pussy makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) And here I am thinking that's a you thing. (laughs) Our fourth story. Is Gabrielle Union rediscovering herself? That is from Lainey Gossip. I don't think we've spoken very much about Gabrielle Union on the podcast before. I don't think we have at all. I mean, for those who are unaware, which I am sure is none of you, she is the actress behind some of our favourite 90s and 90s movies. She was in She's All That, 10 Things I Hate About You, Bring It On. What a trifecta. Yeah, Bring It On, one of the best. Yeah, she also started dating NBA star Dwayne Wade in 2008 and they married in 2014. That relationship is adored by people the world over. These two between them have over 40 million followers on Instagram. People are incredibly invested in their marriage and in their family life although it appears they might be on the rocks. Before we get to the details of why, I would love to give everyone a debrief on the relationship so far because it has been truly something and I think we could do a very, very tiny mini scandal or are you in need of some intrigue right here? Well, take us away. Yeah, I do know a lot of people know this story. It's not niche enough for it to be an are you in need of some intrigue, but I think it's still... It's interesting. That sounds great. All right. So these two, as I said, have always been very public about their relationship, the highs and the lows. Gabrielle Union in particular, I think you could call her an oversharer or at least someone who is a complete open book. She's 51 and she already has two memoirs out there all about her life. They're called We're Going to Need More Wine and You Got Anything Stronger. Do you guys know what happened to this marriage in 2013? No. No. Okay, well, they actually weren't married yet. As oh, I well, said, well, that's why we didn't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> we let the As I said, they met in 2009. They announced their engagement to the world almost four years later on December 21, 2013. Only within about a week and a half of them announcing their engagement to the world, some rather uncomfortable headlines were published. Here's what the LA Times ran back on New Year's Eve in 2013. Dwayne Wade admits, yes, I'm the daddy, though my fiancé's not the mum. Oh, Oh, Dwayne. (laughs) So about 10 days after they announced their engagement, the world learned that Dwayne Wade had fathered a child with a woman who was not Gabrielle Union, who he just proposed to. At this time, it was explained away that Dwayne and Gabrielle had taken a break and in that short amount of time, Dwayne had gotten another woman pregnant who ended up having the baby. In a press conference, he explained this. I had a time, a part in our break, in our pain and our hurt, a blessing came out of it in my life, having a son that was born healthy. 
So I'm moving on. I'm in the public eye, so obviously that's a part of it. It comes with the territory. Right. So naturally tabloids went back and did some digging. And if these two were on a break when this other woman would have conceived this child, they certainly weren't posting on social media as if they were on a break, right? You would think if they were on a break. Oh, so the timeline wasn't timelining. The timeline. It just doesn't make a heap of sense. Right around the month that this woman probably fell pregnant, these two were still at least portraying to the world that they were an item, posting each other on Instagram, being seen at events, cuddling and holding each other. But then I want to put on the record, who knows? Every couple is different. Well, sometimes, especially famous couples, I might have felt like it was easier to pretend they were still together when they weren't. A la Jada and Will. Ah, exactly right. I will say, though, at this point, they're just boyfriend-girlfriend. It's not like they have kids that they want to put, like, keep up pretenses for. They're not even married or engaged at this point. They're just boyfriend-girlfriend. So I also went through this whole mental process. So you tried to give them the benefit of the doubt (laughs) and then you just took it away. (laughs) I'm just a little bit confused, right? Gabrielle did explore this time in her life in her second book where she actually admitted she was going through IVF treatment for the majority of 2013, which made the revelation that Dwayne had fathered a baby with someone in that exact same year an incredibly tough blow for her. Yeah, I can't imagine that difficulty. Yeah, she was really struggling to carry a baby. They were having miscarriages. They were having plenty of problems. And then he has a baby with a woman who's not her. And she wrote about this in her memoir. Wrote about it in her second memoir. People were confused why it wasn't in the first one. And then it felt like maybe she was finally ready to talk about it in the memoir that very recently came out. She also, in the second memoir, was not willing to say that they were on a break when this other baby was convinced Her wording was that they were on the rocks when this happened. She wrote, there was a desperation just dripping off of him that I couldn't ignore. A desperation of wanting things to be right with us. His journey was so different than mine. His was wrapped up in guilt and shame and embarrassment and fear of losing me. In 2013, before we were married, Dwayne had a baby with another woman. It should go without saying that we were not in a good place in our relationship at the time the child was conceived, but we were in a much better place when he finally told me about the pregnancy. She went on, to say I was devastated is to pick a word on a low shelf for convenience. There are people, strangers who I will never meet, who have been upset that I have not previously talked about that trauma. I have not had words and even after untold amounts of therapy, I am not sure I have them now, but truth matters. Wow, what a line. Yeah. I have a question from the top of that quote. There was a desperation just dripping off him that I couldn't ignore, a desperation of wanting things to be right with us. What does that mean? Sorry. So they were struggling with infertility. Right. And she was struggling to hold a pregnancy herself. She's actually 10 years older than Dwayne Wade. And she said he wanted a baby. They both really did. But he... I think he felt desperately guilty. That's what she was hinting towards. Oh, right. That this wasn't happening for them. So he did feel guilty about the whole thing. Yeah. He had some humanity about it. Yeah. Yeah. So they stayed together throughout all of this. They got married the following year. And in 2018, they welcomed a baby together via surrogate after years of infertility. Fast forward to now, though. And sleuths are writing into Demois, the anonymous Instagram gossip page, hypothesizing that the marriage is over. Demois shared a tip about Dwayne Wade getting cozy with a woman in a Malibu restaurant for a few hours who was not Gabrielle Union. Mm. On the 23rd of October, 
Gabrielle wrote quite a deep Instagram caption that read, when clarity, truth and transparency are present, there's only room for evolution. Oh, I love that. I love that too. <laughs> I also think that's a Dunzo caption. You think so? Sort of. She is. This is the hard thing, right? Gabrielle Union loves motivational quotes, right. loves sayings. Like, you know, Instagram stories, she did share that her family had sent her flowers, but it was like a very generic message written to her. Dwayne did post on Instagram about Gabrielle's birthday. Would you like that caption? Yeah. He wrote, singing out of tune, happy birthday. May your journey to peace become shared stories in your next memoir. We love you and we hope that you're having a day for you. Yeah, that's an that's, ex. Yeah, that seems like an ex thing. Doesn't that seem like writing to the mother of my, my child? Yeah, child. like we're still well, family. Not my wife. Yeah. yeah. That's like, we love you and hope you're having a day for you, as in like, I'm not seeing you. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it's not giving like we're in the same room right now. <laughs> and he didn't He didn't share like a photo of them together. The first one was her floating in a pool. Then it was them as an entire family. family. They co-parent a lot of children together. Dwayne's got quite a few kids. And then it was like a children's drawing of mum, dad and child holding hands. Yeah, well, Demois has said that, you know, she's heard rumblings that things are awry, but they might end up being like a Will and Jada 2.0 in that maybe any separation could be kept secret for years. Mm, yeah. I'm intrigued. Watch this space. Our fifth story. What is Kai? Here's everything we know about Kylie Jenner's new venture. That is from Glamour. All right. So Kylie Jenner has a new business. It is called Kai. It is fashion and it is affordable, yeah. which has taken me by surprise. Now, in case you've missed it, Kai will operate on like a drop model where they will collaborate with different guest designers throughout the year to design and create clothing at an accessible price point. We also should note that she's in partnership with The Greeds, who <laughs> such a funny The Greeds. The Greeds. <laughs> it sounds like a couple out of The Grinch or something. Yeah, no, but these two, Jens and Emma Greed, who actually are already in partnership with Kim on Skims and Chloe on Good American. Now, Kai's debut collection does feature a Berlin-based brand called Namilia, and it includes a range of faux leather pants, coats, tops, and base layers. Kylie Jenner told the Wall Street Journal, the whole line is really inspired by my personal wardrobe and the different moods that I'm in. She said the first drop is very King Kylie, who I am at my core. It is very King Kylie, it isn't is it? It is very King Kylie. Pieces go on sale actually a few hours after we record this. So it will be interesting to sense the reception. I think for me with this, I've been wondering, it feels like they've looked at Wardrobe NYC Christine Centenera and Josh Goot's business mm. and thought, can we do something in a similar way, which is like almost capsule drops for young people who can afford it? If anyone's ever gone on the Wardrobe NYC website, you will know they are not targeting every person no. because the clothes are not that affordable. And I know this will sound ridiculous because if you look at – the clothes being sold on Kai right now, like the leather stuff. It doesn't look like stuff from Wardrobe MIC. But I'm saying, are they taking that sort of model, collaborating with different designers and going for young people? I sort of feel like maybe they are. I think absolutely they are. I think they're really trying to lean into that capsule wardrobe vibe for sure. I also think the drops is an amazing way to build hype, like constantly working with new designers, constantly bringing out things that might target a different demographic. I was excited by this when I saw it. I won't be buying anything from the leather collection. It's not really my vibe. 
But could I see myself being a customer down the line if the collaboration with a designer is something I'm interested in? For sure. I mean, also, when we say accessible price point, we need to say it is between the price points of $90 and 370 AUD. So it's not like a Glasson's price point. No, but so it's like kind of it's a step above fast fashion to that accessible price point that I think will really target those women who are maybe 25, 26, 27, who are just coming into a little bit more disposable income. Yeah. And I think accessible is all relative when you're talking about the Kardashians For as well. Sure. Like the shock of seeing a $90 t-shirt on a Kylie Jenner website really got me. Would I spend $90 on a t-shirt day to day? No, not usually. <laughs> but that felt more accessible than usual. It's really interesting. When this launched, it made me think like, okay, well, where's Kylie at with Kylie Cosmetics at the moment? Like she's come out with a second business. And when I started thinking about Kylie Cosmetics, I was like, this business doesn't really feel it right now. I don't know about you guys, but it doesn't feel very cool. And when I started looking into Kylie Cosmetics and where they're at, a Google search told me that as of two months ago, there were reports that Kylie was in talks to buy back the stake of Kylie Cosmetics that she sold to Coty in 2020. Now, Mm. as a quick refresher, she sold 51% of the company in a deal valued at $1.2 billion US. Now, this was all very controversial at the time. I don't know if you'll remember, but it came, the deal came after Forbes put her on the cover as, you know, America's youngest self-made billionaire. billionaire. (laughs) We had that big debate about self-made. And then Forbes came out after the Cody deal and said, actually, the Kardashians have been inflating Kylie Cosmetics numbers to us. That's why we called her a billionaire and we're going to strip her of this now that we know the financials thanks to Cody. Forbes called her lying a web of lies. Like they did not hold back. They literally did an entire piece on her quote unquote web of lies. And then they said, look, we no longer think she's a billionaire, so scrap that. No one call her that anymore. We take back the cover that we did with her. Yeah, I forgot about this as well when I was diving into this. I was like, I completely forgot this happened. For what it's worth as well, there were also reports around the same time that Kim was trying to buy back Skin by Kim from Coty as well. Now, Coty bought a 20% stake in that company for about $200 million in the same year in 2020. I'm honestly wondering, like Forbes reported that it was because of disagreements over price, valuation and management of the brands. I honestly wonder if they're unhappy with how these brands are being managed because it's not. Is it that good for the Kardashian brand to have these massive companies not feel that it anymore? Yeah. I. And would you spend $600 million to get back? <laughs> I think it's really fascinating if Kylie does want Kylie Cosmetics back. I really struggle to even name a woman in my life who buys Kylie Cosmetics. I wonder if it's way bigger in the US than it is here. But the value of the company has always befuddled me. Like the idea that they're even bringing in, whether it's 100 million, 300 million, whatever, that still surprises me based on the women in my lives and how little I see them use this brand. Okay, another good poll for your Say Friday. Do you still buy Kylie Cosmetics? This will be an interesting pool of Australian women because I agree with you anecdotally. I don't see Kylie Cosmetics around enough. Looking into this now, I honestly wonder if she ever intended to buy the company back or if it was like a scare tactic to kind of get some things that 
she wanted mm. with the company. I can't imagine launching and putting all your eggs into now this Kai basket yeah. if you intended to also have full ownership over Kylie Cosmetics. Yeah. Like that's a lot. Yeah. And I, I just don't know if it's worth it for her. Kylie Cosmetics felt like a brand that never really evolved beyond lip kits, which feels stuck back in 2016, 2017. Does she really want that? No. Also, but then Does again, she she's had the- so many failed. Sorry, I love Kylie Jenner. I think this brand is very, very cool. And I think Kai is going to have success. But she has had Kylie Swim, Kylie Skin. Forgot about Kylie Swim. Kylie Swim. Remember remember? everyone held up the bathers to the camera? The bikinis and they were falling apart on camera. Kylie Baby. She had Kylie Baby. Like, sorry, can you tell I've been going deep on this? She does kind of want to own everything. So maybe she does want to buy back Kylie Cosmetics and do it all. My issue is she does it all and then half the brands are not very good. Yeah, well... Let's wait and see. I don't think she's buying it back, but I do think it was an interesting headline regardless. Agreed. Our sixth and final story. Martin and Francesca Scorsese, TikTok's dynamic duo. That is from the New York Times. I am obsessed with this. I'm obsessed with Martin Scorsese being TikTok's it boy. And no, I don't have any time for someone who's going to cancel him to me right now for reasons <laughs> beyond my knowledge. Just let me enjoy these, these TikToks. Just let, us, just let us enjoy a little TikTok thing. No, now in case you haven't seen this, I first saw Martin Scorsese pop up on his daughter Francesca's TikTok earlier this month. She sort of played that game where you get someone from a different generation to you to guess the slang. I loved this video. It came up on my For You page. I loved it as well. It got like 300,000 likes. It got millions of views. Since then, he's appeared twice more on her account. And she doesn't post all the time, both in kind of self-deprecating TikTok trending kind of videos. (laughs) And now I'm starting to think Martin Scorsese has a new film out. It's called Killers of the Flower Moon. Which I've seen. Did You sat for three hours and 26 minutes. This is the one that Annabelle was like, I liked it. It was extremely long. Wait, is this the time you came the other week to the recording so tired? So exhausted. And the shame is that it was a good movie, but my butt was so sore. (laughs) Did you have any intermission? No. Intermission? It's a movie. There are movie theatres who are bucking rules and having intermission. What? Yeah, with this. What could you possibly need three hours for, Annabelle? It did drag. It did drag. (laughs) But then it came home at the end. So snaps for Marty. Yeah, but it's like he knows how to make movies or something. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. I honestly wonder if he's angling for an Oscar for this oh. movie and is starting to do the promo because, you know, Oscar promo is a huge thing. Yes. You want to be front of mind for everything. If His PR team have realised Francesca might be the way for him to kind of get a bit more loved in the mainstream. I mean, I actually think this might be the first time Martin Scorsese's ever been mentioned on this show. Yes. I have a question for you with all of this in mind. How many Oscars has Martin Scorsese won across his career? Oh, for best director, best picture, Just all of Oscar, it. Oscar Oscars stuff. general. Okay. Three? Oh, God, no. I was going to say like 17. Oh, oh shit. Oh, sorry. 17. Is that too many? He's won one. Oh. That's oh, why, shit. That's why I honestly Stop think. Shaming so you between three. us, I win. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Annabelle wins. I genuinely <laughs> think he's kind of... He's kind of toward the end of his career. Like, I don't, I don't like, let's be honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. If how looking, many more four-hour movies he's got If in we're them. looking at average age of this, retirement. This feels like his PR team are going, it's a bit different for us. I he, do think it's a slight stretch I from think, you. I also think it's a stretch. <laughs> I think... I think the original videos, the OG videos, were just happenstance. I agree. Happened to, like, him trying to figure out what a sneaky link was was quite funny (laughs) and went viral just because it was good content. 
maybe I think if we keep seeing this in the lead up to the Oscars, it's normally the start of the year, right? It's yeah. like February, March timing. I think then I like maybe your theory has legs. I think the first one was completely organic and they saw the success of it and they thought, could we do some more? Let's do they go again. want to appeal? Like, what does I it do for the Oscars campaign to appeal to us? <laughs> Great <laughs> point, Michelle. It's, it's just a top of mind thing for me. Don't know the Academy on TikTok. Like, Sarah's three votes, Martin Scorsese. <laughs> Sarah's like, I've got a theory. Don't question it or poke holes in it. <laughs> so many holes. Guys, before we round out this show, we forgot to do this at the top of the episode. I was thinking uh, of this. And I know our listeners are going to be asking questions. Oh, my God. Can we I have questions? Can we have an update on the ham? Okay. Because so. I wasn't in the office on Monday. Yes, it was quite an empty office on Monday. I will be fair. But I brought my ham into the office and... Um, <laughs> not ham. I came in. It was not ham. Okay, let me tell you the story. So on Sunday, I had the free day to make the ham. It was a slog. I'll tell you, it was a slog. It you was a long time. process you for sure. You didn't boil it, did you? I did boil it, but... You need to boil it. No, Australian no. hams, you don't need to boil. That's no, no, a gammon. This, for this, for a gammon, yes, but you also, if even if you get a ham, you should boil it with this recipe. This was my issue, Michelle Andrews, because I was like looking for the ham. I had the right ham in my little basket. And then I was like to my sister, can I cook an already cooked ham? And she was like, no, it'll just get tough. So then I went to the butcher and I asked him, <laughs> what do I do? And he said... Just get a pork shoulder. <laughs> he said, just get a pork shoulder. So I was like, thank you, expert. So she's made a pork. I did. Okay. So I did a, a honey glazed ham inspired roast. <laughs> so she she bought it to work in this little container. And she's like, anyway, in the fridge. I was like, whoever wants some pork, get on in there. Two days later, no one touched the pork. So I took it home. It's so, oh, did you take it home? I took it home because I was like, this pork is just going to sit here weirdly in our work so fridge. I had this thought last night to be like, oh my God, what do we do about this pork if no one No, no, no. It was funny. So I, you made crackling. No. I actually did also make crackling on the side. <laughs> it's not. She didn't make a ham. Did you boil the pork? I boiled the pork, but, but. Okay, can you find gammon you at really this can't time? cook. When you said it last week, you weren't joking. Well, I haven't tasted it yet, so I it could be amazing. Can you bring it back? Honestly, I've given it away. Oh. There's pork in all corners of my life. <laughs> we need some reports from Annabelle's friends, anonymous reports about how the pork was. They're loving it. They're anyway, loving it. I just found that is so incredibly funny. If we tell you to make something. <laughs> I'll make the actual just... ham at Christmas time. All right, that sounds great. So Guys. can you make us turkey but bring in a chicken? Yeah. yeah. I'm always keeping you on your <laughs> we just don't know what we're getting. Um, guys, that is all we've got time for today. If you want to support the show, come and follow us on TikTok and Instagram. We are at Shameless Podcast on Instagram, at Shameless <laughs> underscore podcast on nice. whatever, TikTok Very or something. Good. I've just fucked this up so bad. Annabelle Lee, anything to add? No. Stay hammy, everyone. Stay hammy. <laughs> Stay hammy. Bye. Porkies. <laughs> Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.